What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is the Dr. Football Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Dennis Tian. This is the Around the League podcast where we are going to go all through the NFL, take a look back at last weekend's matchups. There was some great stuff and a look ahead to the playoff matchups this week coming up. Joining me as always, the CEO of Hedge Better, Justin Fine. Justin, brother, what's going on, my man? How are you tonight? Yeah, I'm doing well. I was I was on my way into uh, into the studio to do the show, and uh, you know, as you, we had just talked about, you know, I looked down at my phone, saw some crazy news, and it's kind of on par with just a, a day of crazy news that I think is building on what has been so far a few days worth of crazy news. I know we talked yeah. a little bit about it yesterday, but uh, some crazy stuff happening around the league right now. Right. So if you if you're not up to date, three huge stories, uh, three two one big and two huge stories that broke today. Uh, first of all, Matt Eberflus will be back as the Bears head coach next year. I think that's a big story mm-hmm. with, with a lot of relevance to New England. Number two is a um, big story. Pete Carroll out as head coach, comes out of left field. Um, Seattle had two good years. They didn't make the playoffs this year, but had a good year this year. Made a run last year. He's out now. We'll talk about that. We're going to start with that. And then... Um, an earth shattering story from college football, which is that Nick Saban's retiring. Yeah. And and that really is like Saban's a legend, six six national titles, um, maybe the face of college football. And and now he's 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 stepping back. So three huge stories. Let's get to all of it, Justin. We're gonna go around the league, but before we do, we recorded the Patriots podcast last night, 24 hours ago. Yep. And I just want to say that another day where nothing has happened on the Kraft Belichick front and just very quickly at the beginning to me, every day that this goes on unresolved increases the likelihood that he's going to be here next year. Because I think if this was a cut and dry situation, you fire him and you move on. There are rational, real reasons not to let drag this out. Right. Even though you're going to need to bring in a GM and those guys are unrestricted. You can't bring in the coaches until after the divisional round, but you can set up interviews and you're damaging your franchise and moving forward if you delay this much more than it's already been delayed. So I feel like if this doesn't all shake down, certainly by the end of this week, I, I think that it really is a statement that, the, that there's there's a good chance he's back next year. Yeah, I agree. And I think we, you know, the, we kind of ended the the Patriots podcast yesterday kind of by concluding, I think we, we would both you know, like to see him back. We'd both rather have him back than some of the options that are out there, even though now there are really, there really are some good options out there. Um, but still, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's actually a little bit comforting to see nothing happening. I really hope we get that confirmation soon, but I don't want them to, to drag this out one way or the other. Like I, 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 you know, I'm happy, um, you know, I'm happy that all signs are pointing to that. He'll be back, but like either way, let's find out. Yeah. If you want my guess, they're trying to find a middle ground here to keep them. That's right. what I think is the most likely reason. Like you can say, oh, they're trying to they're trying to negotiate around his termination. But I'm sorry, like y- you can't drag that out because you have to move forward if you're getting rid of the guy. And you're getting to that point where it's you're going to be at a handicap compared to other franchises that are that that, that are out there competing for new coaches and new GMs. So th- they're at that point now. So so I think that really. My, my sense is they're probably trying to find a middle ground and see if they can figure it out. But, you know, we're going to see what happens. It, it, it could break tonight at, at, at 10 o'clock at night, you know, yeah. but I'll say this. If we get to the weekend and it hasn't broken yet, 
then, then, I, then I think that's, that's really telling. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. All right. Let's get to the around the league stuff, Justin. We're going to start just with the three most newsworthy or, or timely stories of the day. Number one, uh, Matt Eberflus back as the Chicago bears head coach. I, I think this is interesting. Um, if you look at some of the advanced analytics uh, yeah. are, are across the league at the second half of this season, the Bears actually showed really well in terms of like um, DVOA and some of that stuff. Like they, they they ended the season strong, even though they lost to Green Bay that last week. So I can understand why they're keeping Eberflus back. My question is, does this guarantee that Justin Fields is is the quarterback of the Bears next year? Wouldn't it, it seem like if you're gonna take it in another direction? And, and 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 draft a new quarterback. You'd want to bring in a new coach. Um, I, I, are they going to roll with Justin Fields now? I I think they are. I mean, all signs are, are kind of pointing to it. I mean, they've really kind of tried to do everything they can to help him out. Right? They went out last year and, and kind of beefed up his offensive line. They've gone out and and, and they've acquired you know serious talent for him in the in, in the skill positions. Um, they made a, a big mid. Uh, you know. Trade deadline uh, move this year for uh, for Montez Sweat, um, you know, former first round pick over from Washington. So like this is a team that I think is really investing in their base, right? In trying to kind of slowly build and get better each year. And it seems like they are keeping Eberflus in. Uh, well, they are keeping Eberflus, but it seems like they're keeping that that tandem of Eberflus and in, in, in Fields together. And my thing is, I don't know if I like it. I got to be honest. I don't know if I yeah. like it because to me, I understand what they're doing where they're saying, hey, you know, this team, uh, there really was a lot of layers to this rebuild. You know, we started with Fields and Eberflus, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's been it's been a work in progress from the defense to the O-line to the skill positions. And it's all kind of finally starting to take shape. But the one thing I got to say is I just didn't see enough from both Eberflus and Fields the last couple of years to warrant the fact that that next jump is ready to be made. I don't know. I'm skeptical. I don't think you can just add a few more players to that roster and all of a sudden uh, have a contending team. The two really slow starts, I know they were a better half, uh, a better second half team in back-to-back years, but I mean, two slow starts, two two poor finishes. I, I just didn't see enough. I'm, I'm, I'm not skeptical uh, as of Eberflus as much as I am of Fields. And I think if you're being fair, you'd have to say Fields showed a little something in the second half. But he also, I mean, he continues to sometimes struggle. And you look at that last game against the Packers, look at what Bryce Young did to that Green Bay defense. That, that's a Green Bay defense that has struggled all year long. And then Justin Fields really could do nothing against that defense after Bryce Young kind of torched them two weeks before. And we know how bad Bryce Young was this year. So, like, I feel like it's a tough call in fields because he's showing a little bit that you might not want to move on from him. But how can you pass up the opportunity to draft another franchise quarterback if you're the Bears based on what he has shown you? So if I was the Bears, I'll tell you what I might do. They got two picks in the top 10. And I think what they should do is they should draft one cornerstone piece with one of those two picks. And then they should draft a quarterback with the other one and keep Justin Fields. Like they, they don't have to move on from Fields yet. You know, I I think that's the middle ground that they should hit because um, it's an, it'd be an awkward situation, of course. But what are you going to do? You're not ready to give up on Fields. You know, you don't want to pass up the chance to take a quarterback. 
and you don't want to lose the opportunity. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, the thing that I'm really not understanding with this whole, you know, Justin Fields dynamic, um, and you know, you could bring this back to Matt Eberflus, but like, you know, there was, there seemed to be this, this flip, uh, switch that was flipped last year in the, in the 2022 season, right. Where like seemingly like halfway through the year, Justin Fields figured it out and ended the second half of the season as arguably the hottest quarterback in the NFL. Right. I mean, coming into this year, all the buzz and the hype was, Oh, look at the way Justin Fields ended the year last year. He, you know, his team only got better. They helped him out in the draft, yada, yada. And everything was kind of shaping up to be like, okay, Justin Fields should pick right up where he left off. Right. And in the whole key that we learned afterwards or, you know, so it was reported was that that switch was flipped when the coaching staffs, quote unquote, kind of let him loose, right? And kind of adjusted their game plan to like suit his game and what he was looking to do. And from the second half on, Justin Fields was a much different and more dangerous quarterback in the NFL. If that was the case and it was just a simple coaching adjustment and that was the Justin Fields that we've all been waiting for, where did that go this year? I mean, it's certainly like, you know, why would you, if it was just a simple coaching well, adjustment. You can say the same thing about this year. There were times where he showed flashes this year and then he always regresses back, right? So, but, and, but sorry, but I, I guess what I'm saying though is if that's the case, right? There has, there's a red, to me, that's a red flag that somewhere there's an issue either with the coaching in the in the way the offense is being run or with Justin Fields himself right because there the 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 lack of consistency is telling for one reason or the other it, it is justin and, and just i just want to read his career passing stats because when you talk about fields getting hot last year too a lot of that was with his legs and the one thing fields hasn't shown yet is that he can consistently throw the ball um this is a guy that in the better part of 3 seasons now and i know he's missed a few games for injury he, he hasn't touched or come close to 3,000 passing yards. His career high is 2,500 this year. Okay. He's throwing 16 touchdowns this year, 17 last year, and seven as a rookie, 40 in his career in almost three seasons. And he has a career QBR of 82.3 as a passer, which, by the way, is worse than Mac Jones still to this day. Yeah. But I saw three points. So Justin Fields, I don't believe, is a good passer at an NFL level. And, and it's like, how do you, how do you, it's tough to, it, it's tough for the Bears to give up on him, but it's tough for them, I think, to move forward with a guy that has had this kind of opportunity to show he can win with his arm and hasn't done it. Yeah, I, it, it, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it puts you in a really tough position. Um, but by, you know, by the same token, you know, if, if you are the Bears, I, you got to have that fear that you might be doing something prematurely and especially knowing the next quarterback you bring in has an all likelihood, a good chance of busting, right? Like we know, even yep. if you take a guy right. high in the first round, right? So it's like- It could be worse. Yeah, right. It, it could be worse. Like, do you say, okay, we've at least- We've at least seen that Justin Fields is capable of producing at a certain level. How do we do the most to extract that at a consistent level? Uh, at a consistent pace, right? Or do you take the chance and roll the dice and say, well, you know, it it, it just will never reach that level and we got to start from scratch. I mean, I don't know, but that 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 first round pick, you know, there's a lot of good talent that could be taken there. They're, they're in a tough spot. They really are. They, they, if they, they needed to see more from Fields. Um, I think that's the clear take home. They needed to yeah. see more from him the last three years. Right. And he, he, he wasn't a total failure, but but he didn't show them enough, I think, to make them feel confident about moving forward with the guy. So now they're in a tough spot as an organization. If I were them, 
I would take a quarterback. You know, maybe you don't take Caleb Williams with the number one pick, but maybe, you know, Jaden Daniels is there or Michael Penix at seven or, you know, one of those guys slips to you when they're picking that second pick. You know, maybe that's that's your that's what you do. Um, it'll be interesting to see. All right, let's talk a little bit about the um the um the Pete Carroll thing and Pete Carroll just getting pushed out. I really don't I have a lot of thoughts about that. You know, I think I'm surprised by it, uh, but maybe we shouldn't be. I mean, the guy's 72 years old and he looks young. He's in good health. The only thing I'll say, just to, to tie it a little back into New England, is just that, like, you know, guys get to that point in life. And, and, and I feel like organizations, even if they are successful and things are working out, I think organizations get a little squeamish about moving forward. With, with guys in their seventies, right? Cause it just hasn't been done before historically in the league. So right. I feel like that might be a part of, of why they, you know, decided to move on as much as it is for performance. I think it might be just cause the guys getting old and they, and they want to move on and, 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 and move on with someone younger. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, it's gotta be the case because I gotta say, I did not think Pete Carroll was on the hot seat, right? Like he, his name did not come up in my head as someone who would be in the chopping block. Um, you know, you think about what he did last year, right? Everybody kind of expected Seattle and especially, you know, once they got rid of Russ and brought in Geno Smith, a guy who'd never really done too much anywhere. And all of a sudden Seattle was, you know, the, 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 the hot team, the it team last year made that made the playoffs. Um, and they were still feisty this year. They had a really tough schedule. Don't forget, you look at the, the middle of the season, Seattle kind of went up against the gauntlet, um, and, and, and it was tough. They, they had some, some really close and really tough losses, but look, I just didn't think Pete Carroll, uh, deserved to be in that position to your point the age might really be like catalyzing the decision. Maybe they're saying, hey, let's just get ahead of this before, you know, it goes from average to bad or from bad to worse. Like I, but if you're just looking at what he did, like over the last few years and even this year, I, I don't think he deserved to get fired. No, he, he definitely didn't, but, but, but they're moving on in Seattle without him. And, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that, the one thing I will say too about this is, um, you wonder if, if they're really interested in Mike Rabel now, you know, and and if, and if that gives Rabel some leverage, um, you know, and, and maybe all the more reason for the Patriots to get moving with whatever they ultimately end up decide to do. Okay. Um, and then briefly, Justin, Nick Saban retiring, you know, we focus on pro football, but that's a big deal um, to have Nick Saban retire. I, I think it's a statement a little bit, same thing, 72 year old guy. So I think there's a little bit of that piece to it, but if you've listened to Saban's public comments the last few years, he's no fan of the NIL or, or the transfer portal or the way college football has has kind of evolved or changed over the last few years. And I feel like that's a big piece of it. You know, it's kind of crazy now the way the college football landscape has just radically, radically gone into like complete upheaval in the last few years where it's a very different game. Um, these kids are transferring left and right now, whereas before it was like it was like an act of Congress. It was like getting somebody out of Soviet Russia in the eighties, you know, to like, to get, to get a transfer. Now it's simple. The hundreds and hundreds of them are doing it every year. Um, I, I feel like that's a piece of why Saban might've moved on. I don't think he likes the direction of sport. Yeah, I don't think he does. And I think, you know, we, we've heard other coaches like, like Kirby Smart and, and some other prominent college names, like, you know, calling out the new NIL deals and, and the transfer portals and the way things are run now. And, and I think it really does change the whole dynamic of college football, the way college football runs and operates. Um, and I think for some coaches like that, especially 
you know, older, older established coaches who, who have had success and who have a reputation and, and a lot in the line. They, they don't, I, I don't think they want to deal with it. Like part of me too, like looks at, you know, Alabama as a program. And I wonder if part of it is the fact that maybe Nick Saban sensed that like the decline yes. was on yes. the horizon. Right. I mean, yeah. well, that's just it. These rules are going to make it, they're, they're going to make it so that you can't be like Alabama anymore because right. They're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna take that consolidation of power that Saban has had for decades, exactly. and they're gonna spread it out all to all these other schools, and and he's not gonna be playing, you know, with like that advantage. It's gonna be a more level playing field now, and I think that hey, you probably like you know what I'm out. Exactly. I mean, look, you look at the fact that uh, Georgia won, wins back to, you know, Georgia's the new top dog of the SEC now, right? They've kind of overtaken Alabama for that not only top spot in college football, but top dog in, in the SEC. You know, Alabama missed the, uh, uh, sorry, not, did they miss or no? They were, did they make this it this year? year? Yeah, they, 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 they lost to Michigan. Yeah, sorry, they lost to Michigan. Yeah, sorry. They lost to, yeah, that, that's right. They lost to Michigan. But they but they know. had an underwhelming year. I mean, they, they were lucky to get in. For sure. Know? I mean, Georgia probably deserved to get in over them. So, I mean, like, right. I think, like, you know, you take the last couple of years and you combine that with the fact that he sees the changing landscape in college football. He's starting to see the effects in this program. And he probably said, you know what? Like, I don't need to sit here and, and go through a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, what a, a six and four season and, and, and see the tabloids and, and have all the narratives and put me and my family to that. He's like, I'm just going to get out while the going's good. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't think Alabama, the Alabama of the next 10 years in terms of like its dominance over college football is not going to be what we saw the last like 20 no. years. It's just, it's over the right. NIL, the transfer portal, the, the 12 team playoff. That's another big thing because there was for years now, it's been a situation where there's only four playoff teams and there's only like really seven teams that have a realistic eight teams that really have a realistic chance to make it every year. And so I felt like that gave a huge recruiting advantage to schools like Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, your perennial teams that actually had a chance to, to make the playoffs. Now that you have a 12 team system, right? There are literally dozens of schools that are going to have a chance to play for a championship every year. Got these kids are going to go to schools now that they might not have considered before because of that system. And I think that's going to also chip away at Alabama's stranglehold in terms of recruiting. Yeah. Yeah, I 100%. It's going to be super interesting to see, you know, just how college sports in general, not even just football, um, are, are shaken up by by everything that's kind of been unfolding. I think we we are starting to see some of the effects, um, and yeah, I think honestly, a lot of that just is is becoming very difficult for some of these old school coaches. You know, it was kind of just like a flip, a switch was flipped, and um, I think a lot of them are just kind of fed up already. But but I think it will be a better experience for viewers. I really do because I think college football has been very boring uh, the last few. I really do. I think these bowl games were a disgrace this year. I yeah. think most of these games are irrelevant. Um, there's four or five, six power teams most years, and the rest of the teams have have no prayer. And I think I think it's become very boring. And I think I think this is actually going to save the sport. But but I think it's why Saban got out. I really do. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk a little, Justin, about Buffalo. That's where I want to start from last weekend. That mm-hmm. was a terrific ending to to the NFL season. A great way to end the regular season. Um, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the fact that Miami can't win 
a big game against a good team. I don't count that Dallas win three weeks ago because yeah. they're the mirror image of each other. Take that out of it. They haven't beaten a team with a winning record in years. Um, I, I fell asleep at the start of the fourth quarter after Josh Allen's fumble. And I'd watch Buffalo just shoot themselves in the foot for three quarters. And I said, oh, my God. Miami is finally going to do this. They're going to win this division. They're going to they're going to finally take that step. I woke up like 15 minutes later and Buffalo was winning. I'm watching two attack leave below with an interception at the end. I'm like, man, it is just more of the same story with the Miami Dolphins. What does Mike McDaniels tell his team as they head into the playoffs, having not really been able to have that signature victory now in two seasons? Um, to make them stay engaged and believe that they can actually compete and potentially for a championship. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, you know, don't forget too, that team is, is super beat up on defense. They lost their top two pass rushers. Um, they're a little beat up in the secondary, like they're Jalen Waddle. He he's missed the last couple of games. Right. Um, so Miami's just in a really tough spot. They're clearly in the decline. They're banged up. The morale has got to be low. I, I don't really know what Mike McDaniels tells this team. I mean, this Miami team, I, I what I'm curious about is how do the hell do they keep getting away with, you know, having a schedule jam-packed full of losers? Because, like, they're, they're finding yeah. ways to, like, artificially, like, inflate, like, their schedule and, and, and I guess, their outward appearance to, to the league and, and to the fans. But, I mean, this is not uh, this is not a solid football team. I, I really do think they're going to um, – Do they, they have any prayer, Justin, in, I, in the postseason? I no, I don't think so. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I think that, you know maybe they could they could pull off like a, a first round first round win um, in wild card weekend, but I don't think this is a team that has any shot of winning the AFC or, or winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know it's funny because like you know if you've listened to the podcast, you know I've been calling them a fraud team for really two years now. I didn't believe them last year. Didn't believe them this year. But what I'm going to say, I'm going to make a crazy prediction right now. I really think they're going to win this weekend in Kansas City. I just feel like they're the cornered animal. They, they they have they have been put into that into that position of the team that can't win the big game. And NFL is so unpredictable. And which you know the thing you think is least going to happen tends to happen. And I just have a funny feeling. I mean, this Kansas City team is no juggernaut, right? Miami can run the ball against anyone. Um, Miami's defense has actually played good coming down the stretch. If you look at the point totals, they've been giving up against good teams. They're not losing because of their defense. I truly believe that Miami will have a realistic chance to win this game and probably will win this game against Kansas City this week. I love the cheat. I love the Dolphins with three points in Kansas City. I love that too. I'm, uh, and, and, and that's kind of, that's always, honestly was kind of my gut feeling is that this, this will be a team that they'll somehow rally around, you know, Maybe the, the 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 narrative and the hype now that they're a fraud team, you know, they're aware just as much as everybody the fact that they haven't beaten a, a team above right. five. You know, you know what I mean. So they they know they they know what the perception of them is. They know, especially going into Arrowhead in Kansas City, like they have a huge upward battle. Like they're and in huge a strange underdogs. way, the, pre the pressure is off them. Exactly. Right? The pressure is off at this point because no one believes them. Exactly. No, no, not only does no one believe in you, but you're going into Arrowhead to face Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, right? Like, and you're banged up. Like, there literally couldn't be any better of a situation for a team to just go out and just leave it all out there. You know what I mean? It, I, yeah. I, I, I think they're absolutely doomed in whoever they would play in the divisional round. 
But I do yep. think they can go into Kansas City and win for sure. I, I agree with that, and I think I think Mostert and Waddle are both going to be back this week too. And that and that was a big part of of what why they struggled a little against Buffalo too. I mean, they were beat up in that game. I loved Miami going. I mean, Buffalo going into that game. That was like one of my my picks of the year because Miami was just beat up, and it's just the same old story with them. But but I really feel like it's going to be a different story this week in Kansas City. All right, Justin, let's talk a little bit about the um, the Cowboys and the Packers uh, game this weekend. Um, I, I This is one of my other picks. You know, I think the Packer, the Cowboys are a fraud team. I yeah. like the Packers. I actually like Jordan Love. I love the Packers last week against the Bears, by the way. That was one of my plays of the week. The Cowboys, okay, are going to destroy the Packers this weekend. They, they make mincemeat out of teams in that stadium yeah. that that it, at home. Okay, the Packers defense is terrible. Terrible defense. Dak Prescott devours teams like the Packers. I think the Cowboys win that game huge this weekend. Yeah, I do too. I uh look the Cowboys they're not my my uh my front runner at all to come out of the NFC or, or win a Super Bowl, but I mean, let's let's give them credit where credit's due. They're very good at home, and Dak has had an MVP caliber season. And this is a team that, like, similar to Miami, they do sometimes struggle against good opponents, but they are yeah. very good at beating up on bad and average teams. And right. I, it, especially it, at home, exactly, especially at home. So I I, I I I completely agree. This this Packers team is still young; they're still relatively inexperienced, and I still think they have a lot. Of holes. I, I I love the Cowboys this weekend too. Yeah. Now, now, in no way does that take away from the season Jordan Love had, right? Because I think that that's something I wanted to bring up too, which is Jordan Love. I mean, you you got to feel good if you're a Packers fan, even if they go out and get smoked this weekend. What this guy did this year, statistically, one of the best first seasons as a starter. I think statistically, the only two quarterbacks that did better than Jordan Love in their first year as a starter were Kurt Warner and Pat Mahomes. Right. So this guy went out, he balled out this year. Um, I got to say, like, the Packers have really aced the 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 move on from the franchise quarterback thing. I mean, they nailed it. They, they brought this guy in. They developed him. We all thought he sucked, and he did suck. Every time he got in there. Yeah. And then he comes out and throws 32 touchdowns this year, and, and for 44. 400 yards or something. I mean, I'd feel really, I'd, I'd feel so, I, if I'm a Packers fan, I feel so much better about my next five or 10 years with Jordan Love as my quarterback and so happy that they moved on from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that, that, that was just such a win for that franchise. Yeah. And I mean, look, I'm not fully sold on Jordan Love yet, but I think you've seen enough that you're happy with the move you made. You're happy with where he's at. And I mean, look, he closed out the season really hot. Um, and you know, again, he's he's got a team that has has some holes. He's got all he's got young skilled players. Um, so yeah, th- look, th- this is a team that I think has a lot to uh, to look forward to. And not only that, but I mean, look, you talked about the transition. They did it before. They moved, you know, the Favre to, to Rogers transition, right? This is a, an organization that, for one reason or another, they've just kind of either gotten lucky or maybe they just know what's up. I don't know, but either way, they've done it twice now, seemingly. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see the Packers go out and be competitive, but I think this is where the season ends short for them. Um, but, you know, next year, look, look out for the Packers. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I, and I, th- I think that team is well positioned to be competitive for the next decade, which yeah. which is 
I mean, look, you go from Favre to Rodgers, and now I think Jordan Love is going to have a good career in the NFL. I mean, that's all you can hope for. I wish the Patriots handled their 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 transition like the Packers did. I mean, that that's the whole problem is they they don't have that guy right now. Um, let's talk a little, Justin, about the the Browns and the Texans game. That's the first playoff game Saturday at four o'clock. I like that Cleveland team. I love that defense, but I, I want to say a couple things about this game. Number one is, doesn't a team with a better quarterback usually win a playoff game, right, most of the time? So, like, C.J. Stroud is a better quarterback than Joe Flacco is right now. Even though Flacco's like the Cinderella story, you know I love that story. We talked about it a few weeks ago. The Browns' defense, statistically, is much worse on the road than at home. They give up way more points on the road than they do at home. The Texans are at home. The Texans also have a really good defense. Everyone, I think, is assuming Cleveland is going to win that game. I'm probably not picking that game, but I really think the Texans are a very live home underdog in that game. Yeah, super live. And I honestly hate the fact that they have to play each other. I was real. Those are two teams that I was really hoping to see one of them make a run in the AFC. Stinks that they got to play each other first round. Um, I mean, that's one of the, those situations because of that, though, that I, you know, you can't go wrong. I'm going to be happy to see either one of those teams move on. I do think that, uh, I, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people saying, don't sleep in Houston, don't sleep in Houston. I'm definitely not sleeping on Houston. I think it's going to be a nail biter. I think it'll go down to the wire. I'm just going to take Joe Flacco just for the, the, the sim in, in the Browns, just for the simple, fact that he's been there he's done it he's won a super bowl they're in a groove right now i mean i think the the browns you know low key i don't know how low key it is anymore but i think they have one of the the top three you know easily top five defenses in the nfl um and in in flacco in this offense is is clicking so you you know i i i think the browns win but i think it's going to be close yeah, I, I I I can respect that take. You know, I th- I think I think it's going to be close. I just think people assume the Browns are gonna are gonna win, and then I just feel like the teams really they're very evenly matched two teams, and I think Definitely. it's going to be a flip of the coin either way on that. Um, this kind of ties into my my next take, which I wanted to bring up too, which is like you look at the number one seeds in both leagues, both conferences, and there really isn't. Um, a, a dominant super team in the league this year. I mean, the Niners are 12 and five. They lost five times. They hit a lull in the season. This is not a year where we have like that 15 and one type team. That's the clear favorite. I think both of these number one seeds are beatable. Um, and I'd actually, I, I almost think Baltimore might be more beatable than, than 49ers, even though they're a better team. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you why, because you look at this AFC conference and I think there are at least three teams that I would say maybe four that I could see beating Baltimore in Baltimore. Like you look at the field, right? Pittsburgh, you're telling me they're going to be intimidated going into Baltimore. Absolutely not. Cleveland already beat Baltimore. Right. So I I think, I I think they can absolutely go in and beat them. Buffalo can absolutely beat Baltimore and Kansas city is still Kansas city with Reed and Mahomes. They can beat anyone on any given day. If Mahomes makes a few plays. So I look at, this 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 situation, I think Baltimore got a tough draw because I think there's legitimately four teams in this conference that could walk into their stadium and, and walk out with a win. Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
Does that say more about the draw or more about Baltimore though? Like that, that's kind of how I look at it is like, look, like, you know, the other teams in the playoffs, yes, they should be able to potentially come into your stadium and beat you, right? If they're a playoff team, like I would, I would hope that they, they got a game in them where they can go off and pull an upset. But, but look, I think, I think the larger looming, you know, point, the, the, the elephant in the room is the fact that this Ravens team has a lot of pressure on them. They have a lot of pressure, yeah. right? They are, again, you know, they've, they've lost a couple key components, right? They lost their starting running back. They lost their all-star tight end. Um, and this is a team that has not had any success in the playoffs. Um, and there's just a lot of question marks. So, you know, I, I, I think there's a lot of pressure on them. They obviously got the first round by, I don't know if that's a good thing for this team, but we'll see. You know, I I I I think they're a very beatable team, though. They 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 are a very beatable team. There's there's no question about it. And and frankly, I mean the Niners are too, but it's just the conference isn't as dominant as it's been in um in years past. I, I mean, who who in the NFC can can beat the 49ers? I mean, I think the list is a little bit smaller. I mean, maybe the Rams. Right. I don't I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think I don't think the Cowboys, Packers or Eagles are going to go in there and win there right now. You know, who's the number two seed in the NFC right now? Is it the, um, the, the Cowboys? Lions. Oh, yeah. The Cowboys. Oh, the yeah. Cowboys. Yeah. The Lions. Can you see the Lions going into San Francisco and winning? Like, it, it's just I think they got a much easier path um, to, to make it uh, out of the NFC than the Ravens do in the AFC. OK, a couple more quick things. I know we got to wrap it up. OK, Um uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin, are you ready to take your victory lap on Trevor Lawrence? Oh. I saw a statistical analysis this week. Okay. Two things that you'll find great. First of all, Blake Bortles has a better quarterback rating in career numbers at this point in his career than Trevor Lawrence does now at the same point in his career. Right. Love it. And Mac Jones still has a higher quarterback rating than, than Trevor Lawrence. So he was anointed. We have been calling BS on that yes. for like, Two plus years, I think, since he was drafted. Yeah, frankly, we've been calling BS. Like literally, the the show he was drafted. That was one of the first episodes we recorded. Yep, you can go back and listen to it. We were all over that. I mean, he's not a franchise quarterback. He, he's okay, but, but he, he's nothing special. Nope, nothing special at all. Um, I'm so ready to take the victory lap on him. He is a loser, a talented loser. Um, in that Jaguars team, you know it. What a what a epic collapse! And it's funny, like that should be like on the 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 forefront of every sports media show, radio show, ESPN segment. But it's almost like nobody wants to admit that this Trevor Lawrence guy is not who they thought they were. Nobody is ready. Right. Like nobody, nobody wants, wants to, to call him out. Nobody wants to say it. Everybody wants to just pretend like it didn't happen. But guess what? Trevor Lawrence is a fraud. And not only that, but he's had durability issues. This is a guy who, yes. you know what I mean? He's routinely uh, bum ankle, bum foot, bum this, bum that. He's routinely losing big games. He's routinely uh letting his team down. And I'm just so done with hearing how this kid is solidified himself as a franchise quarterback, a staple in the league. If I'm the Jaguars, I'd try to move on. I'm being serious. Yeah. Like I like because yeah. I I can't think of somebody whose value like well here's the it, question though just just to play the other side yeah. of this a little all right the, my issue with Trevor Lawrence has been he's not the anointed. He that was my issue. Right. He's not he's not you know Peyton Manning 
or Tom Brady. He, he's not an elite quarterback. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just don't think he's elite. Can you win with Trevor Lawrence? Can no. you win a Super Bowl with no. him? Because you don't think you can? No. Is it because of, of him as a player or because of like his psyche, psyche and his mentality? Both. I, I I don't deny that the guy is very physically gifted. I think it's the psyche. I think I think he's like he's like if like Mac Jones was uh, put into like uh, remember that uh, remember the, the 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 machine from uh, Family Matters that turns uh, Steve Urkel into Stefan. Yeah, I mean? yeah. It'd be like something like yep. if you if you put like Mac yep. Jones in that machine, yeah, and made him uh, that would be Trevor Lawrence. It's the same like it's the same like small mental midget attitude. It just in a bigger, athletic, physically gifted body, and you're still you're gonna get gl- glimpses of brilliance, but he will never ever win a Super Bowl. So it's a mentality thing. Yeah, then. it's because, a mentality I mean, we've seen thing. Above yeah. average, above average quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Matt Stafford won a Super Bowl. So, uh, but 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 I think I mean the concern with Lawrence, I, I agree, is is you know does he really have that that mentality of, of a winning mentality? Is there something yeah. you know broken inside him and I mean, the guy keeps losing big games and, and being involved in all these collapses. You know, you, you got to start to wonder if there's something a little bit off. Okay, last topic, Justin, then we're going to wrap it up. Um, tell me what you like this weekend. Uh, what, what games are you looking at? Oh, and um, talk a little about the Bucks eagles game because that's the one we didn't mention that I did want to mention. What an epic collapse by the Philadelphia Eagles. We just got to quickly talk about that. I mean, that was... That, that team is reeling right now. Are, are, th- are they, they going to lose this weekend in Tampa Bay? I mean, I think so. I, I really do. I, I I think this team is is cooked. I'd be shocked to see them. Uh, you know, they, they're just two teams riding two different ends of the spectrum right now. Tampa Bay yeah. couldn't be in more of a high, right? A team that was picked to finish last in their division. Baker yep. Mayfield written off, right? They had to kind of battle from behind to come through and, and emerge and win this division. And then you got the Eagles, right? You got Jalen Hurts, the anointed franchise quarterback. The Eagles picked to win the division, potentially picked to win the NFC, get off to such a hot start. And now they're just completely burning and crashing. Um, I, I don't see, I just can't understand how they would get it, you know, get it right and, and turn things around um, by this weekend. I think it's, it's a done deal. I yeah, don't know. It's whether, hard to you flip know. a switch like that when you've been on this kind of run. Right. And to me, Justin, I said it a few weeks ago, the tush push did them in. I really believe that because they got their quarterback beat up. And I think that was, that was how this all started. I mean, the defense has major issues too. I don't want to minimize how, bad this Eagles defense is and, and Matt Patricia's influence on that is something I think all Patriots fans can snicker at, even if it's probably not really his fault because their defense was yeah. terrible before he took over. But but really to me, like this all begins with the fact that Jalen Hurts got beat up in that gauntlet. And I don't think Jalen Hurts is physically right. And I, I really believe that tush push play was a big part of the demise of the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts got beat up doing that stupid tush bush too many times and add it all up. And, and it, you know, yes, combine it in the context of the defense. Now they've got locker room issues happening because they're losing. And now they're just completely spiraling out of control. I don't think you can just flip a switch when you're on this kind of run and win. But I mean, the Buccaneers are no juggernaut, but, but they're, they're definitely, you know, I mean, I mean, they're beatable team, but, but I just don't know if the Eagles can do it. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think the Eagles are going to do it. Um, I think. Uh, I, I think the Buccaneers win. Real quick, as far as like you know, what I like this weekend. Um, yeah, tell I, us what else you like. Yeah, I'll, I'll just run through it real quick. I as much as the Rams are kind of everybody's 
uh, hot team right now, the Matt Stafford revenge game in Detroit, right? I think that's going to be the big upset play. People taking the Rams. I'm going to go with Detroit. I think Detroit. Okay. Pull, I, think, I like that. That's sharp. I think. I think Detroit pulls it out. I think. I think they're going to be ready for it. If there's ever a team that's, you know, that you think Dan Campbell isn't going to have that team ready to run through a wall when the quarterback that left them and went and won a Super Bowl somewhere else comes back to town for the, for, you know, to try to spoil and ra- rain on their parade something they've been waiting on, you know. Uh, for a long time, hosting a playoff game in in uh, in Ford Field. So yeah, I don't know. I just think the Lions are going to be ready for it. Um, I like the Bucks too. I like uh, I like the Dolphins, and then um, I I like the Browns. So yeah, okay, yeah. I I I, I I'm on a couple different side of a couple of those. I I think that Lions Rams game. You know, I, it's a real interesting take because. It's like everyone and their brother likes the Rams in that game. You know, it just seems like such a perfect mm-hmm. and fitting. Um, it's almost become a little bit like square now to take the Rams with the three and a half because, you know, it's just like everybody thinks the Rams are going to go in and outright win that game and destroy Detroit's season. It would be so fitting with the identity of that Lions franchise right. that they've crafted, which is just like you have this great season and then you lose to the guy you just pushed out of town and it all falls apart in right. one night. I mean, that's like, that would be like a lion's thing to do, Exactly, you know, and everyone. So, so I think it's sharp to be honest with you, to go, to go with the lions and, and lay those points. I'm probably, um, you know, I, I don't really have a strong opinion about that game, but I like that take and um, you know, it'll, it, it should be a good weekend. It's, it's one of the best weekends of football of the yeah. year. So um, definitely want everyone to enjoy it. I think we're going to wrap it up now because we've kind of gone through everything. I know you got another podcast to record, so that's all you got. Anything else you want to add my man? No, just looking forward to it. And again, you know, it's become a pattern now, but we can say it. Uh, it's nice to go into the playoffs and not having a stress about the Patriots. I just get to enjoy football, you know? I wouldn't mind the stress if they were in it, but, but I hear what you're saying. You know what I, you you know know what what I mean? Yeah, tr- trust me. I, I wish they were in there, but it, by the other token, it's like I can just relax and enjoy yep. the playoffs, you know? And we'll see what happens, you know, to anyone watching this, you know, if there's news on Belichick, we're going to try and record something right yep. away if we can, because... We, we, you know, we want to be right on top of that, providing up-to-date coverage. But, you know, let's see what happens on that front, too, because I think, you know, we talk about everything else. That's the biggest story in the league right now. Yeah. You know, it really is what's going to happen with Bill Belichick. All right. Thanks, everyone, that listened or watched this episode of the Dr. Football Around the League podcast. Have a great night to everyone. Catch you next week. <laughs>